Here we go, here we go, here we go. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. We should be live. Welcome to Casual Krakoa, Kraken Krakoa. I'm Dave Using, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. I'm joined here today by Ernie, the Blurred Without Fear, and Verno of the Cerebros here, uh, the YouTube channel and podcast. Uh, if you can hear us, let us know here in the chat. Let's make sure everything is going all right. But today we're going to be talking all things Inferno number four. I'm pumped. I'm excited to get going and talk about the conclusion of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men epic as far as we know, right? This is the end. This is the end, but it's not actually an ending, right? As far as like comic book story goes, right? For the X-Men. So we're going to talk about all that um, again. Hey, if you're here with us live, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Uh, it should be a really fun, uh, lively conversation. Uh, get your questions in, in the chat. Let us know if there's any audio or video issues. Um, you can let us know your personal issues, but uh, there's probably not as much I'm going to be able to do about that. But, you know, it's it's an open space. All I ask <laughs> is that everyone uh, be kind, all right? Be kind, uh, be generous to those you are talking to in the chat, and we will have a good, polite, respectful Ernie. Verno, thanks, guys, so much for joining. Happy New Year to everyone here, and, uh, and also those of you listening live. Inferno number four, the first question I want to ask. This is the end of the four-issue maxi-series, uh, Jonathan Hickman's final event before he formally hands things off to the X-Office and, and whoever, uh, whosoever will wield the power of the X-Men from this point forward. Ernie, let's start with you. Does Inferno Ooh. stick the landing? You know, uh, man, I think they got it. I think they got it. Um, in a... Uh, I think having a shorter, like having it four issues as opposed to uh, doing, like I could imagine if they would have tried to do uh, what they did with uh, House of X, having like 12 issues or heaven help us, uh, Ten of Swords, where there was like <laughs> 20-something issues or whatever. I feel like this would not have worked as well. I would have liked maybe one or two more issues, but I think this story was actually tighter uh, for it being shorter, so it definitely ends. It, I don't want to say it ends with a bang, but it definitely ends with like a foreboding sense of um, dread. Yeah, that things aren't that that uh, things aren't well, and that actually made me enjoy the story uh, even more because I felt that's how it should have ended. I felt like it needed to end. Uh, you, know, you know, people always say, oh, this is our empire. This is our empire strikes back. Uh, that's what I felt this was. This was this was the empire mm. uh, strikes back style of um, of a sequel, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, that is interesting because I think like if Inverno, I'm going to throw it to you next. I think if if this was a known like midpoint right, in the mm. Hickman X-Men experience, which is for, I think, fans of the creator, but also just fans of House and Powers, right? That is the author mm -hmm. who comes in and revitalizes the franchise, more or less, right? You know, like, and, and obviously, like, Hickman has a tremendous resume. Whether you're a longtime fan or not, you know, this is a creator who has 15 years of good work under their belt, you know, like, in varying forms. Um, so if this was the midway point, or, or even just a midway point of, like, the experience of him as the architect of this franchise, I do think it would be much easier to sit and be like, yeah, it feels like an Empire moment. 
right? Of like mm-hmm. of this change of a status quo, which is itself an explosion of the status quo that X-Men comics have been stuck in for such a long time. Um, but because we know this is the end and Hickman's right. leaving for what seems like possibly forever, right? There's a lot of talk of forever and immortality, right? But it, but it could also potentially be like, well, until he is so inclined to jump back in for something later, like that is a door that is open. Um, it, it's just got different, it, it's a bittersweet experience, I think for me, especially um, as, as a big fan of that creator. Verno, what did you think? Did, did Inferno number four stick the landing? Did you like sort of the length and duration of how it played out? There was, if you listen to my non-spoiler reviews that I put up yesterday, and this is after, right after reading the book, I read a bunch of books, did non-spoiler reviews on the whole thing, and my initial takeaway is that I hated it. Really? <laughs> like, I, I hated, and but I just reread it again, and I even said this at the time, the only thing that I hated is what they did with Moira, full spoilers, right? I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. Yeah, good call. Full spoilers, good call. Inferno Thank 4, you. we're going to spoil the crap out of this thing. I didn't like the. I felt like it was a cop out. I'm really curious to know your guys' opinion on on this aspect of it. I felt like depowering Moira, although a nice little nod and a callback from the '80s, from an era that I love and a storyline that I love with Forge. Yeah, I hated that. Like we all have been. How many times have the three of us talked about the the Life Eleven reset? And if he set it up, he he's got to play that card eventually super exciting and even in the course of the comic book he knows that that's what we want because he teases with it he acts like they're about to kill moira mm-hmm. fade to white mm-hmm. and the whole marvel universe is about to change and they're like psych we was just joking and they and they find out that they depower her first yeah and don't get wrong like there's aspects of it even saying it out loud it's kind of cool like i get that but i felt like I'm really curious if that was his original plan. Was he going to do that all along? Or was this just a way like, all right, I'm going to do this now because I'm leaving early. So that disappointed me. But I read it again, like right before we got on. And everything other than that, I really enjoyed. Like I actually read the whole. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. I read the whole event and I don't know how well it reads the four issues together because of the link. I get why the issues were so long. But it makes sitting down reading it not as it doesn't flow as well as I was would hope. There's a lot of things that he threw in there that didn't like tie in an issue number four, like specifically the Colossus bit. Like I was like, what, what was that about? Like he was setting <laughs> yeah. things up for the future. And we kind of or at least I I thought he was setting stuff up for this issue that never came into play. And I guess that's OK. But my takeaway is that I'm I'm disappointed both because it's over and the. The Moira getting depowered and finding a way around this event that we all would have liked to see, that disappoints me majorly. Like, yeah. I'm really curious what, what people in the chat and what you guys, like, what was your reaction to that? I don't want to be asking the questions, but I'm sure we're going to get to that. Like, yeah, you know. So so that's a so that's a great question, and I think well put. I mean, I think the let, let's start with the part about Moira here, because I think that is... When we talked about issue number one, and we, we've, I think we've talked about literally every issue at this point, but just on very, like on, on Verno's channel and on, and you know, with Ernie, like we, we've talked about every issue at this point. Um, but I had you all on for Casual Krakoa for issue number one here. And when we talked about that, like the one thing, my biggest thing, and I think both of you were definitely in a similar mindset of like, the one thing I want to make sure we get an answer for by the end of this is what is Moira's actual plan, right? Like there's been so much buildup and so little 
focus on this character. And I, I, I'm right. I've written this, you know, I tweeted this, I've written this in my review, my crack for code. It's going to go out later, but it's like, I think the biggest miscalculation of the Hickman era by Jonathan Hickman is the misuse of Moira X. Like you have this incredible development of a character in house of X number two, and then just nothing like absolutely nothing for the longest time. So that now when we get to Inferno and we finally get to see this information uh, before us, we don't really have a great buildup of that character getting to that moment. You know what I mean? We don't have like steps along the way where this would have more of an impact. Um, so we can get into why that is and, and what else there might be. But to the point about, okay, the actual Moira reveal, I'm glad it happened. I think it makes sense. We're going to talk about the specifics of it. Um, again, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. Verno, I do think that, you know, your point about being disappointed about the tease of the death of Moira X, which had me going, right? It right. had me going. I was like, holy, what? They're right. actually I was losing doing, my mind. <laughs> yeah, they're actually doing the Life 11 reset. Like, I was so excited. And you know what it reminds me of in retrospect is, um, is the end of Hawkeye <laughs> on the MCU. And yeah. I don't necessarily want to also spoil that because people haven't seen it. <laughs> but um, but there's a thing that happens with a big character reveal that I was so mad about for like 30 seconds. For like 30 <laughs> seconds, I was furious. I was like, I can't believe they revealed this character only to do that. And then I thought about it and I was like, what am I saying? Like, of course, of course that's not real. Of course right. they aren't that short-sighted. And I kind of feel that way now about the Moira thing, right? So Mystique and Destiny cure Moira with Forge's gun from Uncanny X-Men number 185, I think it is. Yeah. Um, the, the depowering gun, right? And the plan that they have, which is really quite clever, is they can't kill her, which is what they want to do, while she's a mutant, because her mutant power will reset the universe. And all they have built and, and established in Krakoa will be lost. So what they do is they depower her first. And then they're going to kill her. <laughs> so it's like, it's, Which it's I, a... I never saw that coming. I've never heard yeah. that theory. I listened to Crack and Krakoa and Blurb Without Fear. These guys have their stuff together. And I never heard anybody mention that. I never saw it in a chat. I never saw it in a comment section. So I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. Like, that's that's creative and yeah. clever. And I did not... Did either of you ever see that coming? I didn't think the depowering thing would come into play. That much I'll admit. I did think they were... Well, it, Okay, the the deep power thing did not see coming. I will say I did see the not paying off the death right. of Mora the way I think people thought it was. Yeah, like the death, like right there. And, and and I'm glad you put that up, Dave, because this is something I actually talked about in my video that I have not released yet. Yeah. But the death of Mora X, and I want to put emphasis on the X. Uh, I'm sure many of you may remember some of the other death of comics that we've gotten over the years. Uh, the one I always like to think about of um, is the death of the mighty Thor. And I remember people like, oh, yeah, they're finally going to kill her because people mm. hate good writing. But um, <laughs> but no, the thing was, is that they weren't killing Jane Foster. They were just putting the character of the mighty Thor, which is Thor when she is Jane Foster. Uh, they were putting it to bed. And that's kind of what they did here. Instead of they didn't kill Mora McTaggart, they killed the persona of Mora X mm -hmm. and, and put that to bed. But I still think the stuff that we talked about, the, 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 the things that have yet to pay dividends, I still think are in play because we know that Mora's still out there. She's alive. 
She's still running around. Right. And Destiny and uh, <laughs> literally running Zeke aren't done with her. Yeah, she's literally <laughs> like literally. You, you know what? <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Uh, yeah, and I hate to bring up bad memories, but uh, what was it? X Men Apocalypse, the scene where like we see Hugh Jackman for like you know, a minute, and like yeah. Yeah, the part where like he scampers off into the forest. Naked, naked um, that was the you, first yeah. thing I thought of. When I saw more run through the gate. <laughs> I was just waiting for her to do a little hop skip at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like she's still on the run. We know what those those notes. She still has the notes about the cure that she she still has it in her head, and she still seems to have a mind to make it. Right. Right. And. You know, once again, the whole thing, you could have 10 lives or 11 if you make the right choices. And Destiny does say towards the end, you still have a part to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have choices that can be made. And we know that, you know, Forge's neutralizer aside, we know that that's not a permanent yeah. uh, depowering because uh, Storm got her powers back. I think it was like a whole four years later. It was like Uncanny X number 225, 226, something like that. She had to become um, a toddler first, you know. She had to become a toddler. It, it got <laughs> There's really a road weird. to it, getting your powers back. Yeah. And, and what it was, was it? really was it, weird. Was it just that, like, refresh my memory, because I love that story arc, but was it just that she became a pre-adolescent, and when she re-entered adolescence, her X-Gene kicked back in? Is that what it no. was? Or how did she get it back? No, Forge actually made a new device. Oh, Okay. He made a new device, uh, but it was four years later, give or take, uh, Uncanny X-Men 226, uh, and he gave her her powers back, and she had them back, and she's had them back ever since. Uh, but we also know, we can't forget Trial, Trial of Magneto. They have the uh, they have their own Elysian field or whatever, you know, the, the astral plane. Mutants can be repowered without even having to go through the Crucible, so technically, if they really wanted to, you know, if she really wanted to, she could be brought back that way and be right. remade as a mutant. Yeah. But the thing is, who on the Quiet Council would, knowing what her power is, yeah, would have her back? Right. <laughs> well, that's like even Moira's life ten A. I don't know if that <laughs> yeah. could ever come. But if a yeah. writer yeah. wanted to make that come into play, they could pull that off too. Mm. Yeah, like bringing her powers back. That's a great point. Like bringing Moira's yeah. powers back is tremendously doable. Right. Not only because this is comics and you'll come up with something, but like we've just had systems put in place, like you just said, like in Trial of Magneto, where like Mm -hmm. it's totally doable. Right. We Mm -hmm. we have the technology, you know, Um, the the question here is like, okay, who wants her brought back? Well, like Charlie, I'm sure Charlie would love to have Moira back. But Mm -hmm. even for Charles Xavier, right, who's probably like the only one, Moira's a threat. Moira Mm -hmm. is a threat. Like even when she's like if she's back. She's almost more of a problem because you just have to keep her alive all the time. Like, like right. she is a challenge because if she dies or if she makes a decision that is not in your best interest, for example, curing all of mankind, which, hey, here's a question that I want to talk about. Did Professor X and Magneto know? Did they know her secret and they were cool with it? Because they know Moira has a secret. Like, mm-hmm. like Moira's like, we can't tell them what we're planning, right? And, and we see mm-hmm. Charlie be like, okay, no problem, babe. But, like, did he know what the actual problem was? Because that doesn't sound... The First off, that yeah. definitely doesn't sound like something Magneto's going to be cool with. Right? Like, Magneto is yeah. not into that plan. Professor X, generally, no. But, you know, could Myra have broken him and pushed him to a point where he was okay? Maybe. He's the only one. He's the only one I could see doing it. Um, but long story short, like, Professor X could mentally do m- what Mystique did and convince, you know, and sneak Moira Resurrection back. That... that pieces in play so like Mm. humanizing literally humanizing her here 
and in depowering her here, I think is kind of clever. I think it's kind of clever because it allows her to stay on the board. It allows her to keep working. It allows like some real curveballs to enter the equation where she's no longer with Krakoa. Well, what if Mara like teams up with Orcus, right? Like what if she's like, okay, how do I make my plans happen now? Um, maybe I actually ally with the human machine sent, you know, uh, co-op basically mm. um, that I was going towards anyway. So like, there's a lot of directions this could go now. Um, and I think we can still get, in 11th life because again i've said this before and i'll say it again if we don't get the death of moira x and 11th life i will forsake the entire experiment <laughs> like I, I, right. because it was teased you cannot tease yeah. that and have it not happen i just think like we have to be patient like we have to be patient with mm -hmm. this which is kind of you know frustrating um but like it seems like most of the good stuff is just going to be in other writers hands honestly right uh, that's the disappointing part about it i have mm -hmm. such less faith and other writers and X-Men editorial to make that happen in a satisfying way. I don't plan on even being there when it happens. I'm kind of out the X game, baby. I'm kind of done with this stuff for, for now, to be honest with you. So that that's what really kills me is I want to see Hickman. Obviously, I think we all want to see Hicks, Hickman do that. Like, can other writers do it? Can they make it awesome? I'm sure. But that's not what we all wanted, definitely. So yeah. It's, it's, it's disappointing, but... But, it, you know, you've made some good points. It's, it is it is a clever thing to do, and he's left a lot of doors open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've had a lot of conversation about it today um, <laughs> because I'm increasingly interested sort of in the question of, like, did Hickman leave the X-Men entirely of his own choice? And it seems like probably the closest thing to an answer that we've gotten so far through various interviews is a small degree of nuance, which is his vision for X-Men did not squarely align with the rest of the X offices and that he like amicably and, and like decently <laughs> as a good colleague was like, all right, I am out like I am outnumbered here, but not in like a super hostile way. Just like you all clearly want to keep working on this. I don't, I want to go to the next thing. And also I want to do whatever other comics projects they have. Right. And like, there's an amicable, I think somebody on Twitter phrased it as a decoupling. Right. It's like mm. it's like the rare divorced couple where it's like they're oh, they're actually friends. Like, how does that happen? It never yeah. happens. Um, <laughs> can, can, here, I, can I interject something here yeah, yeah. On, on this bit? This is something my buddy uh, Rocket Robbie Billups from Pop Culture Philosophers. He pointed out it totally could be projecting. It might be reading too far into it. But once he pointed this out and I reread it, I thought it was really interesting. It's definitely a possibility of him of Hickman kind of throwing some shade at the X office in this book yeah. through the words of Moira McTaggart. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go ahead and like read too much of it, but I'll read this one line that when, when Moira is having the conversation with Mystique and destiny, she says a handful of lines where if you read that as Moira or as Hickman speaking to the X office, it adds a whole different layer to it. It's super interesting. The, the first one, and there's a bunch of these lines, but if just re readers, listeners, go back and read through this again and think of it as a meta statement. But Moira saying, your hope is that with my death, a.k.a. Hickman's leaving, you lock in this perfect timeline that I've made. And pretty much she goes on to say, like, I'm the only one that knows how this ends. Uh, without me, you guys don't know like anything and your ideas are shit compared to mine more or less. So it's, it's interesting to go back, read that conversation with that in mind 
And it really makes a lot of sense that it's Hickman kind of throwing some shade on his way out the office. Now, that totally could be projecting, but it's something that I wanted to bring up. And uh, it's it's really interesting I, to think about. I've seen a, I've seen a handful of people suggest oh, really? as much. Um, I think the you know I think the the ending to the very final page of the Quiet Council, right? And it's that ominous language, very effectively used, of like you're all trapped in there forever, right? You are trapped in Krakoa now mm-hmm. forever. This cool thing I've set up, which was so status quo breaking, has now become an impenetrable status quo because you want to hang out here. I have seen people reading into that metatextually. I, I, I am of the opinion, and again, I don't know any of these people personally, so it's all right, conjecture right, right. And, and, and thinking about it. But it's like, mm. I'm of the opinion that actually the thing that, that Hickman is probably, that he talks about with the most pride in his voice, is like being the head coach of this ex-office team. So the idea that he would, on the way, have all this like deliberate shade to throw at them does not feel true to me from what I've gathered and like and just the way that um all the ex office creators talk about their relationship with hickman and as a unit um they seem like a genuinely tight group uh i don't buy that <laughs> i gotta say i, I would I also don't. agree i would also agree i, I don't i i don't it, it would seem very out of character and who knows 20 years from now we'll probably There'll there'll be some big reveal. Yeah, someone will come out and say, "Oh yeah, actually though, uh, it wasn't all good." But uh, I don't like honestly. A lot of the stuff that I saw Mora say was all stuff that seemed very in character for Mora to say, even before there was ever any hint that Hickman was ever going to leave. Even just going back to you know how she acted during. Oh, hello. Right, she knows right. what's coming. She knows she. Uh, what was it? Uh, um, uh, powers of ten. What was it, number six? Whatever. Uh, where she's talking to the uh bald blue dude whose name I don't remember because there's too many damn X characters and people <laughs> and stuff like that in stories. And I'm a grown man with other things to do with my time. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember all these people. But anyways, that guy. Uh, the blue dude. You know, basically where he's you know, talking about how, oh, well, you know, the phalanx or, you know, whatever, you know, the, you know this entity is going to come one day and we're all going to get absorbed into some BS. And he's basically kind of talking to her about it. It's one of those situations where, like, even the way she talks to him is not that different. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. it's the same tone. And when Mora talks to other people, even you go, you know, once again, in other parts of House of X, like, you know, when we're more caught up to, mo- like, present day. Yeah, she just kind of honestly more just she's kind of an asshole. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the and that's the piece that we missed in the build up, I think, is mm. like this is a character who has lived as she puts it here thousands of years across lifetimes. She mm-hmm. does not have time. <laughs> no. Or, you know, ironically, it's the one thing she has infinite amounts of, but it's like she does not have time for your petty little, you know, they are children to her, everyone. You know, like they have not lived through what she's lived through. And at, and at the same time, like, I think one of the biggest takeaways of Inferno is we can't root for Moira. Like, I think coming out of House and Powers, you could root for Moira X, right? Like, there was, she's here to save mutant kind, and she's the one who knows the secrets. And without her, you know, Krakoa couldn't happen. I think coming out of Inferno, it's like, yeah, we can't root for Moira X. Like, she's trying right. to, she is trying to achieve assimilation for mutant kind by removing the possibility 
of it happening. And there are some very dangerous messages that that sends, you know, like it just doesn't happen. All right, Ernie, I see you guys. I just want to show something. I just want to show something. You see that face? See the face that little girl is making? She ain't here for this. Right. She wants out. She's mad. Amazing. That is the same look my daughter gives me when I tell her we are out of chicken nuggies and chalky milk. Okay? She is done. She's done though. She wants out. That's She's great. over. Got no time for it. Totally. So, all right. So, I, I think we're all in alignment that, like, Moira's being depowered here. Or I, I guess the bigger thing is, are you satisfied with the revelation that her secret is a cure for all mutant kind to save mutant kind? My general takeaway was, especially after the first issue of Inferno, it makes sense, right? It is the one thing that she was committed to that she never got to do. Like, she never got to see how that would play out because, um, you know, Mystique and Destiny burned her alive, right? She never got to do that thing. Every life she has seen, mutants lose. Either the humans win, the machines win, or they team up and they both win, right? Uh, with, with Homo Novisima or whatever. Um, but, like, that's the only thing she hasn't done, I guess. So, from her mm -hmm. perspective, I get it. I like it because it's not something we can easily root for. I like it because it's not like I want Moira to get her powers back and try that now, you know? Like, that. Like it's, it's not something I want to see happen. I'm definitely on Team Mystique and Destiny, you know? So I like that inversion of actually seeing them as the leaders of a mutant nation that we can actually root for. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's not as big or as cool as, oh, my plan was to... Uh, join up with the space gods known as a dominion like it's not as <laughs> sci-fi and fun as that so Vernal, let's start to you what did, what did you think did did you like that did you find it a satisfying revelation after all that build up with moira uh i mean at the time no but i mean if i sit with it for a while I, i'm just kind of thinking about it now like moira really never got to have like the the, the familiar aspect of Krakoan life. She's locked yeah. in this bubble the whole time. She didn't benefit from Krakoa the way that the other mutants did. So maybe like looking back on it, that's a side of the plan that wasn't very well thought out. And 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 it kind of back to what your point earlier about whether or not Xavier and Charles knew her plan all along. Had they known that, maybe they wouldn't have went that route. Maybe they would have tried to find a way to a little like really curious about why Hickman made this decision if it was always the plan and we just got it earlier. So, I mean, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm pretty unsatisfied, at least with that aspect of it. There was a lot of dope stuff that happened in Inferno number four, especially on a second read through, but no, that, that aspect of it, the Moira stuff, I'm a, I'm not satisfied with it. It, it, it bums me out and it kind of forever will, <laughs> I feel like. Hmm. Ernie, what'd you think? I mean, I was, I was fine with it. Uh, I, it, it, it's at this point where, honestly, I think uh, when you have something, especially something like this we've waited for for a long time, uh, any any potential ending <laughs> would probably come off as unsatisfying, even the best possible outcome. Uh, I don't think it was the best possible outcome we got, but I thought it was definitely um, not the most lackluster thing that we got. Um my biggest my my biggest takeaway from it was that at the end of it all, the woman who got burned alive in that chair was the same. She didn't die in that chair. She just persisted. 
Mm. That was my that was my ultimate takeaway yeah. uh, from all of this, and that while she persisted, she kind of tried to do things differently, and ultimately she just realized that it doesn't matter, it doesn't work, and I'm just gonna maybe I should just go back to the original plan, and I don't feel invested in any of this crap, so just you know throw it all out, and I'm just gonna go back you know to the plan that I know would have originally worked. Um. And I mean, it, it's probably not the most satisfying thing, but it's something that it's kind of like I tell people all the time. You, know, you say uh, a tiger can't change his stripes. Uh, I kind of feel it's the same way with uh, certain aspects of comics characters and people in real life. Uh, you know, as much as they may try to change, there's still gonna be a part of them that's still there, and that part of Mora that was in that chair that wanted to make a cure uh, that that never went away. And yeah. I thought it was a, I thought it was a cool little callback. Uh, I I hope that they don't just throw it away if they don't you know in, you know, do something with it soon i would feel less good about it but uh I'm, I'm willing to wait to see what happens yeah no i'm with you i mean the irony of of like this new status quo for myra is so now we enter the destiny of x um and you know it's definitely it's definitely just going to be more exploration of krakoan life right like it is we're gonna just keep getting krakoa stuff um, you know, the big new stuff that's coming and really the thing that, that Hickman is building to the most formally in terms of like, there's literally an advert in the back of this is, you know, Kieran Gillen and, and Lucas Wernick's Immortal X-Men. Like that is the successor to the Hickman verse in the sense of, you know, he's going to take over the Quiet Council, right? And, and Hickman has mm -hmm. owned the Quiet Council stuff. Now it's just formally going to be in its own book, a book which I'm very excited about. Um, but it Kieran quite... Gillen's lights out. He's lights out. So I'm, it, yeah. I'm, I'm good for it. I, I, I like it. I definitely... I could go deeper on on Gillen and stuff that I love versus stuff that I just like and, and stuff that doesn't work for me. But I, recently, especially, like his Eternal stuff is probably the most I've enjoyed any of his Marvel's work as it's coming out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and he's written a lot of good Marvel stuff, right? Journey into Mystery, Young Avengers, I mean, his Dark Vader, obviously, in the Star Wars universe, but that's really mm -hmm. great. Um, so, like, yeah, like there's a there's a great track record here with Div, you know, for, for creator-owned stuff. Um, and it, it's a logical passing of the torch. I mean, there's an irony here because there's we have this looping Immortal X-Men, right? And they're trapped in this quiet council forever. Karen Gillan was handed the reins to X-Men literally a decade ago with Uncanny X-Men in 2011. Yeah. So, like, we have lived this before. Um, it, at that time, Karen Gillan basically made Mr. Sinister the character he is now. Jonathan Hickman mm -hmm. then... You know, like, you know, Gillen walked so he could run, and now it's back in Gillen's hands, right? So there's a real, like, snake eating its own tail or a Boris thing going on here. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I'm Can excited for that. Wicked and Divine? Can we get some Wicked and Divine vibes in this Immortal X-Men? Can we yeah. get that? Yeah. I wouldn't be mad about it, I'm just saying. That's Well, that's what I want the most, is, like, I want them to play with, okay, if we're going to say this is forever, let's get into the future. Let's Let's talk generationally here. What could this mean? Comics doing that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if they're actually willing to commit to it. I mean, just to back up to what we're talking about with Inferno number four, like, I really enjoyed this issue, actually. I was very happy with it. I think Inferno number three is the gem of the bunch, right? That was the most satisfying uh, revelation by far. That was the biggest piece of information that made, that gave the most potential future stories, but also made mm -hmm. Inferno itself the most interesting um, with Omega Sentinel. So I, I, I definitely do like Inferno 4. I like Inferno as a whole. I do, mm. it's a complex thing of like, it's a little bittersweet and it's also like, it's 200 pages, yet it feels rushed. 
because we hadn't touched the House and Power stuff right. for so long. I don't right. know that anyone reading this in a binge on Marvel Unlimited later would have this problem. You know what I mean? Um, but in yeah. the moment, I do. So it's it's got that going for it. Uh, all right, let's let's touch on a couple questions here we got from listeners because we got some people, uh, some really good questions here and some good theories coming in, in the chat. Thanks everybody for doing that. Uh, the first question I want to ask is, let's see, from Bergtown, does Moira now have a connection with the phalanx with her self-friend prosthetic? Uh, Warlock gives her a new arm, which Mystique and Destiny cut off, um, just to send a message. <laughs> Very gal's behavior. Um, does does she now get a phalanx connection? Do either of you see that coming? What do you think? Well, you know, the whole, if you, if you know, going back to what we talked about uh, earlier with powers, uh, we do know that part of Mora's in-game is uh, what she learned from, once again, Blue Dude. Um, the, that, the librarian? Is that who you're talking about? Yes, that dude. Okay. Yes. <laughs> See, there's too many names. Too yeah. many names. I can't, I, I'm, I'm over it. But no, uh, the from the librarian, you know, she learned that, oh, hey, this alien entity is going to come along one day and... I don't know. Do we just get absorbed by it, or do I see if maybe you could do something different? I don't know. We'll just, I don't know. What we're gonna do here. We're at an impasse here, and so she knows this is a thing. So part of me kind of wonders if this was just more Hickman, you know, laying the breadcrumbs, you know, setting setting us up uh, for that, you know, that upcoming story where eventually at some point the phalanx, as uh, as was promised are going to wind up being a thing because it's talked about in uh, Inferno 3. Yeah. Where uh, Omega Sentinel reveals that a <clears throat> a trickster titan uh, or whatever sent her back in time. And if you look at that, you know, Quotey Fingers trickster, it looks just like one of the, the phalanx uh, titans, entities, whatever, that we saw in Powers. So yeah. I think that it's going to pay dividends down the road eventually if... Yeah, maybe I don't know. Give it to Al Ewing. He'll he'll figure it out. Right, right. Give it to Al Ewing. He'll he'll figure it out. He figures out all that space stuff. Yeah. You want no. space stuff? You go to Al Ewing. And I and I feel great about that. Like I feel I feel comfortable <laughs> in in Mr. Ewing's hands when it comes to cosmic stuff. That is for sure. Um, you know there was so there was a there was a really interesting interview, um, with Jonathan Hickman with um Jay and Miles explaining the X Men this past week. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to it. Um, oh, it's, that's it's really great. Good. It's like an hour conversation. There's some really fascinating stuff in there. Uh, but one of the things he says in there was he wanted Al Ewing to write the Moira book, right? So, like, there was this long-teased rumor that there was going to be a Moira book, which, I again, like, I think in retrospect, this line needed. Like, I really think it needed that book. And for whatever reason, Al was too busy. Then the pandemic screwed everything up, right? We didn't get it, right, in, in time for Inferno. But um, that's possibly still going to happen. So, like, yeah, the idea that uh, this phalanx arm wouldn't come into play, especially if we get a Moira solo series, you know, like that's, that's gotta happen. So yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see it again. I don't think it's an accident. Um, but it's also, you know, I think the, this in story stated reason is now Doug and Warlock can like track her, you know, like they'll, right. know, they'll know exactly what's going on with her, which, um, which I do like the, the role here for Doug and, and Warlock and Bay and Krakoa of kind of the, the protectors of this nation and like what it is actually supposed to mean. You know, right. yes. um, I just I love Cypher's role in this entire era. Yeah, he's just he's one of the guys at first. I think most people were like, God, it's kind of weird how big of a role Cypher is playing in everything. But he, Hickman made it all pay off in, in a big way. It's like Cypher. He's went from being, 
you know, maybe a B list to C list mutant. And now he's a, he's almost an A lister. He's one of the most, he's played one of the most pivotal roles in X-Men history in a big way. And I love him. I love his characterization through or characterization throughout this Mm -hmm. and his relationship with Warlock and Krakoa. So they're a powerhouse, those three. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I love about the way that this ended for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And such an unlikely source. Um, you know, if you had tried to guess before House and Powers, right? We said, like, we're going to have this really cool moment with Mystique and Destiny, and the only people that can stop them are, <laughs> and it's Cypher, you know, <laughs> it's Sneaky Warlock, it's the island nation of Krakoa itself, and Bay the Blood Moon, of course, is Beast of a Wife, uh, which I, I really enjoy their relationship as well. Um, so, yeah, right. you know, Doug showing up, that was awesome. Uh, and I, I like, you know, and again, too, it's a thing of, like, okay, who do we actually... Who are we actually rooting for here? You know, like who who in mutant kind is doing the thing that actually upholds the values of like what makes Krakoa aspirational? Um, and I think that's something that Doug carries through very, very effectively, especially as, you know, as one of the new mutants, right? Of the first generation, right? Of youth, mm. but really not young anymore. You know, yet not young in the way the Gen X kids are, or not even the Gen X kids, mm. the, the um, Academy X kids, you know? And it's like it, seeing him kind of learn from the mistakes of these adults and try and bring them forward. I mean, so that was that was one thing that I was predicting was I really thought the Quiet Council was going to blow up more significantly. I thought the, yeah. the leadership, there was going to be more of a change, right? And we were going to get a Krakoa where Emma and Destiny and Mystique were like more firmly in power, or it was a totally different style of government where there weren't gonna be secrets amongst a Quiet Council, there was gonna be more of a democracy type thing. Um, that didn't happen at all, right? Like instead yeah. the Quiet Council gets totally locked in a room and really all that happens is the power dynamics change right like yeah. professor and magneto they just no yeah. longer have the they don't have books. the trust yeah well yeah, and they, they don't have the trust anymore like you look at those pages where everyone's looking at at least that's how i read it, is that they're looking at them just destroyed Uh-oh. this issue by the way if you guys were curious oh, no. the, what's going on here no that's a wrap on this book. Death, that, that's that's the death of Inferno, right? The, the death of Inferno number yeah, four. This well, is what Hickman's been teasing this whole time. We might as well we, we might as well get a clip of you just pouring your beer on it, so we can we can run yeah, that as like, the you know this issue stinks YouTube card kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, right, make that the but, thumbnail, man. But no, it, it's yeah. You look at you look at everyone's looking at. Uh, at them, you can just see the look of like, you know, when it's Nightcrawler and Storm, how disappointed they like. They just look like just like bothered, absolutely bothered, just even being. Um, of course, you know, you've got like Exodus, who's like, you know, forever the zealot. Like you can even tell, even though he's stone faced, you can tell that he's kind of disappointed, too, yeah, like in just what's going on. And it's 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 interesting because technically, it's like. I, in a way, I kind of wish they would have kind of blown up the Quiet Council a little bit more, yeah. but I'm kind of glad they didn't because I can only I can see the headlines now if the Quiet Council, like the leads of the Quiet Council, were Emma, Mystique, and Destiny, and if it all failed, they'd be like, "Well, see, that's what happens when you let a bunch of women take over." So I'm glad they didn't do that. They they just spared us that embarrassment of of, of headlines and and clickbait titles that people would have thrown out. But I think it actually works out better because now it's awkward in the room. Yeah, there's right. a sense of awkwardness in the room now, and it's like it's you know what you know what it is. I I feel like this is kind of like what happens when someone within within a couple cheats, <laughs> and mm. like and, and and you don't split up, you stay together. 
but you're forever reminded that you cheated. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's what it's gonna be like. Like every now and again, like they're just gonna look at, oh yeah, you mean like what you did? You mean like the secrets you're keeping with more X, huh? Hmm? Yeah, right. No, it's oh, totally. Oh yeah, different. yeah, no, no, no. Oh, 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 you're gonna get mad at Sinister for keeping secrets about clones and chimeras. Oh, you're <laughs> mad about that secret. What about that secret you had? You know, no. What, what, what about that woman that you had? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you had on the side, you know, it, it, that's how I kind of feel. You know, not saying it's going to be that petty, but I, I could see it being as I, petty. <laughs> I, I, I kind of hope it is that petty. That sounds fun. It sounds like something I want to read. I think that's what makes the Immortal X-Men series so tantalizing, too, is like as much as I think I agree with you, Ernie, that like mm -hmm. I would I would kind of rather see the Quiet Council blown up. Like I, I'm mm -hmm. I'm pretty partial to pretty big status quo changes and we don't get that yes. here you know it's really more of a um it, it's more of a, a okay a few updates a few answers but keep mm -hmm. the ball rolling kind of issue and kind of event um but at the same time like we can't get that cool immortal x-men book or the potential of it mm -hmm. without keeping this thing intact and keeping it intact yeah. as awkward and as petty as it's clearly going to be um, mm. which, you know, I, I actually think will lead to some pretty great stuff. So in that, yeah, when's regard, that, when's that coming, by the way, immortal X-Men, when's that duo? March. Number one? Is okay. It March? Yeah. I think all the destiny stuffs. Yeah. March and April, um, following, mm. following X lives and X deaths of Wolverine. So before we talk about what's coming next, uh, cause I do want to get your guys takes on, on what's going to be happening there. Um, what wasn't resolved in Inferno that you really wish we'd seen? Uh, was there anything that you had your heart set on seeing in this, you know, kind of mini event. I mean, I don't know. In so many ways, it's like Inferno is basically issues 21 through 27 of Hickman's X-Men, right, you know, right. of like, or more or less what I wanted it to be. Um, but anyway, what what did you want to see rolled that wasn't here? Verno, let's start with you. I think, I mean, it's the, I keep preaching Rasputin the whole time. I didn't expect it. Like, I, I didn't think we were going to get Rasputin and future Zorn or other timeline or other Moira Life Zorn showing up. But that's the big one, like... I want to see her again. I want to see them again. And I was thinking about it. This is kind of the downside or like, I guess, yeah, a bit of the downside of this style of writing. Like I just started watching WandaVision again. I've been afraid to rewatch WandaVision mm. because I loved it so much. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite. The, it's the most fun I've ever had watching a TV show since Lost probably. Mm. But with that style of writing, like now rewatching it, it's still great. And I still love a lot of things about it. But that mystery, it's not interesting because we know what happens and we know how much of it is red herrings. Right. So, like, now going back, if you want to go back and read House of X, Powers of Ten and the Hickman era, now, granted, it's different because other writers could kind of follow that up later. We still, we're going to get Rasputin eventually. But it takes away something from it to know that we didn't get so many of those things. But just just what's coming to mind is, is those two, Rasputin and... Uh, and Zorn in the future and, and all that for sure. So that's, that's what, I'll, that's what comes to mind. It's a funny comp. Cause like this, this era of X-Men, the post Hickman act, especially will be defined by how many Ralph boners we get, you know, <laughs> like how many, how many of these mysteries turn into straight up Ralph boners versus how many are satisfyingly concluded. Cause there's, I've, I've yeah. started making a list and like, I'm, I'm probably, it's probably gonna be video, but it's like the drop mysteries of the Hickman X-Men. Yeah. And there you go. Um, it's there's a lot of cool ones. There's and one I'll just throw out here too is like Moira's reading Destiny's diaries at the end of X Men Twenty. It sets up the the tease for Inferno. It's never once referenced <laughs> in these right. four issues. That's so weird to me. 
Like that is so flipping weird to me that it didn't get mentioned at all. That that's one that I was bummed about. Um, Ernie, what did you think we'd see that that never happened? Um, you know, I won't. It, it, for me, I think I feel like most of the things I wanted were addressed. There was one thing, and uh, one thing only. I wish because you know we did get a little bit more FaceTime with Nimrod. I do kind of wish that we would have seen a little bit more of his interactions with Dr. Gregor. Mm. Um, you know, because that's kind of one of those things like they, and, and not say that it was handled poorly, but just like, I felt like they just kind of rushed through the whole, like, Oh, he's a machine now. He ain't thinking about, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah, that, yeah. I, I'm not saying it was rushed, but it just, I do, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that, uh, because, over the course uh, of these you know, last several issues of X-Men, anything that Jonathan Hickman has been writing, we've seen uh, Erasmus slowly turn more and more and more and more and more into more of a Nimrod than being, you know, uh, a human being. And then, like, by the time we got to Inferno number three, it was kind of signaled that, uh, you know, Nimrod had fully become what he needed to become. Uh, it, you not just in terms of you know being a more formidable opponent for you know, the X Men, but I guess also in terms of his mindset. And uh, if you even kind of you know, go back looking at you know powers and you know house or whatever uh, scenes and situations where Nimrod is there, there's a lot of dialogue that Nimrod has that is brought back. Yeah. Uh, from that event in this issue, like when he says, "Oh, I'm so so sorry." Yeah. That you know, right. you believed that's, me. Like that's a callback to power. That's like he told Nimrod's catchphrase yeah. is "I'm so sorry." He's like like he's, that's so, funny that that's his phrase. Yeah, that's his thing. He's like, "I'm just so so sorry." And he says it. And he almost always says it right before he kills somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but which is hilarious to me. But I wish we would have seen a little bit more of that transformation. And I wish we, we did get to spend some time with Orcus. I'm not going to sit here and say that we didn't get enough time with Orcus to kind of see more of what's going on in their head. But that's just the one thing I wish we would have seen just a little bit more. Uh, and not just of them, but uh, you, of course the amount of Omega Sentinel we got was, was good too, but I wish we would have maybe given just a smidge more time to Omega Sentinel. So that way yeah. a lot of the stuff that she brings up in this issue, while it doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere, I could understand if you were a person who hasn't really read much X-Men since House of X, or it's been a while since you've read House of X, you know, you might be kind of like, huh? What? Where's all this coming from? You know, yeah. and it's like, it's all stuff that's kind of been, the, the groundwork has been laid for quite some time. It's just that you, you know, with Hickman, these characters, they show up so here or there that it's easy to forget about what it was that he set up sometimes. And yeah. I, I think that's why it catches people off guard uh, more often than not. Uh, is that you're like, oh, how am I supposed to keep up with this, you know, plot line? Really, was it two years ago? <laughs> Right. <laughs> or almost two years ago or whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, it's like, I, I got bills. I got a, <laughs> I got a mortgage. Yeah. I got a job. I got well, kids. That, that's the wildest <laughs> thing about, uh, that's the wildest thing about Inferno is like, it is such a successor to house and powers, but like we've had two eras. <laughs> we've had a dawn and a rain of comics a, since then. And it's got like a destiny coming by the way. <laughs> and we have a destiny coming, but it's like, if you had basically like if you've read the Mystique Destiny issues of X Men six and twenty, where you see mm -hmm. Nimrod come back too, 
and you've read like I guess a little of Ben Percy's X Force to know that there's something ominous going on with Colossus, right? Because that's teased right. but never important. Um, right. you, you're basically caught up. Like that's a that's right. a weird gap of like of yeah. time and of memory to expect from readers. Um, so I it, you just made me realize it. This is the cowboy bebop of X Men stuff. <laughs> like you think about it. Like yeah, you ever watch the anime Cowboy Bebop? Like yeah. it's like 24, 26 episodes, something like that. But there's only really like five episodes that like you really gotta watch to get the actual story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I'll have to have you send those to me because I've, yeah. I've never watched. <laughs> You're like you just watch episode five and maybe like eleven or twelve or whatever Jupiter Jazz episodes they are. Yeah, you yeah. Skip. You can skip all the rest of that. Just get straight to the last two episodes. You know everything you need to know about that show as far as like the main plot. You watch everything else for the yucks. Yeah, you know, that's what you watch the rest of the show for. But yeah, that's what this. You just made me realize that. Uh, that's my walking around with the baby show because the soundtrack's so dope. It like puts him to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. It like helps him sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted hilarious. to add uh, a couple other things because I did make a list while I was reading this, just on like things that were introduced or at least some of them were introduced before, but things that were mentioned in Inferno that were kind of red herrings and didn't matter. In issue number four, the one was they took a whole page to talk about Black Tom and his bad dreams that he was having, his psychosis. Remember that? And it was like Inferno number one. They took a whole data page to talk about his bad dreams. Yeah, that never mm-hmm. popped up. We had the bit. I and I feel about like, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me, me too. Until rereading, I'm like, what was that about? But we had the bit, and I think this was Hickman just setting things up the way he wanted it in the future, with Bishop being made Captain Commander, yeah, and Quanin replacing Gorgon. Those had nothing to do with what happened. No. We have that box that Mystique gave Emma, like Emma's reason for voting to uh, let Destiny on the council. That I think it was introduced in a... It was in Hickman's ga- last uh, gala, gala issue. Yeah, yeah, 21. And then mm-hmm. we have uh, Orcus threatening the full power of the sun that they were going to unleash on the mutants. And that I'm curious about. Like, what, what was that about? Like, what was Orcus's plan that they were going to do? Was there some kind of Death Star-type weapon they were going to turn the sun into? And then the, the biggest one that we were all talking about, it seemed like it was going to be part of this event. Dave, you, you mentioned it uh, a bit, was Colossus. We had an issue of Inferno End with Colossus <laughs> yeah. showing up, looking all ominous. Yeah. Like, clearly we all thought that that was going to be a part of it. And now this is kind of what I'm talking about with the WandaVision thing. On the reread... It's kind of like it doesn't impact at all when you have, I think it was issue number two or, or three end that way. Yeah. Like, well, so what? Why does he look so pissed? Well, what we what you mm-hmm. miss is it, you can only see it if you're in blacklight, but it's actually just an ad for Gillette. It's just an ad for Colossus' shaving gear to show off his new beard. <laughs> um, so, like, that was actually not supposed to be part of the comic. It was purely an ad for his phenomenal the, Their beard. adamantium line that they have coming out? Adamantium <laughs> blades for the, for the silver beard among us. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I was... I had completely forgotten that that even happened until I saw some people tweeting about it today. And I was like, oh yeah, Col- like an issue ended with Colossus. And again, like that information and the panel of him in this issue, it only has resonance if you've been reading the Percy the X-Force. X-Force um, yeah. Which is definitely, you know, this this event just doesn't call to the rest of, of Reign of X in any similar way. Um, which this is the most maybe, it maybe, does with, with Colossus being present. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll be a part of the big wolverine centric event coming up and that's why they put it in to add some more importance to that well let's talk about that that, yeah Yeah. let's talk about that because i I, i've seen some people here in the chat talking about like um 
this doesn't build to X lives, right? Like this doesn't build to X lives and X deaths in a direct or deliberate way, it doesn't seem. So what we know about X lives and X deaths of Wolverine is it's gonna be written by Ben Percy. We know Josh Kassar is doing half the art. Um, I forget the other artist, but it's gonna it's gonna look great. Um, but like that's gonna be a time travel story, right? So it's like it's Wolverine traveling through time, he's gonna to go to all the different Wolverine eras, so it's gonna be a big celebration of the history of the character. Uh, but it's specifically like he's protecting someone essential to mutant mutanthood, essentially, it seems like. Um, mm -hmm. both in the past and in the future. Now, the the leading candidate for who this would be was definitely Moira. <laughs> Right, yeah. um, which in the past that still makes sense, but in the future it no longer does, unless we're just going to give away the game that she gets her powers back. Which, frankly, I'd be fine with, honestly, mm. because it seems very likely anyway. Like, if in the third issue of X Lives he goes to the future or something, and he's all phalanxy and Moira's there with her powers, cool, good. Like, I right. expect that's going to happen anyway. I'd be into it. Um, she could hitch a ride back with him, and now we've got a mutant Moira on the present day timeline or something like that. Yeah, would be interesting. Sure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, so what what do both of you expect from X lives and X deaths? Uh, how, I guess maybe even less than just like predictive is more like how do you think it'll connect to this era and kind of what are you hoping for? Because that's the big, you know, Percy's doing his Wolverine hoxpox idea. Um, I'm, I've been fairly skeptical of it for sure. Right. Like I. I need to see like four bomb issues in a row before I buy into the, the these. He's talking about it as the best Wolverine story of all time, as their hawkpox. Like they are, they are hyping this thing up. Um, what do you all hope for from this? And and do you think Inferno sets the stage for it at all, or is it going to be like separate? Oh, there's the there's man. the one line that <laughs> Destiny says when she's predicting when she's mentioning Moira's future and she says something along the lines of like it's scattered and it's all over the place yeah. and I can't read it there's many different paths that it might go it could have something to do with Moira with these you know many different lives and deaths maybe she is somehow entangled in that and that's why it's so confusing is because she's all over the timeline or she's in a bunch of different timelines. So that, while reading this, was one thing that led me to believe it could have something to do with Moira still. But then, just by the way it ended, it almost feels too soon to to do that. Like, for, I don't know, maybe she's looking to become a mutant again or something. But I would be definitely more interested if it had something to do with Moira. But it just feels like it won't at this point. Yeah. Do we think it might? I mean, Ernie, I'll, I'll throw it to you next. But, like, mm -hmm. I mean, the other candidates that I can think of that Wolverine's traveling and trying to protect are like destiny um mystiques in play i suppose like these like these crucial players who basically like outed moira and like saved Krakoa, like that sort of thing um otherwise i don't know you've got the old standbys of like magneto or professor x um you know stuff like that uh it could just be gene because he loves her so much <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, there's there's a lot of different answers you could go. It could be dupe. Oh, I hope it's dupe. That's my pick. Is uh, it should be Wolverine it should saving. be dupe. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just had a slight idea. What if it's apocalypse? Because one of the keys to Moira's tenth life, a the thing that pushed it over the top that allowed the mutants to win was because apocalypse oh, yeah. was allowed to join his family. So that that was my big takeaway from Moira's tenth life. A is that we know. Krakoa is necessary for the mutant, or at least Apocalypse reuniting with his family is necessary for the mutants to win in the future. Yeah. So maybe Moira knows about that and she's going to go back and kill him as a baby type of a thing, or 
that would be kind of interesting if Apocalypse and his family were involved in it in some way. That would be dope as hell, really. I think it might be like a mixture of things. I think it could be. I don't think it'll probably be just one singular person he's trying to. I think it actually could be a, a multitude of the number of people that y'all have mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, people who are or are or were connected to the Quiet Council, like you know Gene or Apocalypse. Uh, you know, Mystique, Destiny, you know, uh, Kate Pride, so on, so on, so on, so on, so forth. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know that 10 lives, 10 deaths is like the one, like X anything that I know the least about because I just, it just looks so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to think of it. Like I have no. I have no legitimate thought uh, thought pattern towards it, just because I'm not sure what the heck it's even going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very ambiguous. It's kind of those, I'm just going to wait and see what happens when I when it when it when it shows up, and either be surprised or summarily let down. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, good. Like honestly, good. Like I, I I think the one one thing that Hickman nailed in these X Men era things is talking about like. Yeah, solicits suck. <laughs> Teases yes. suck. Like like ruining stories before they happen kind of sucks. Mm, um, yeah. And it's more fun to just project aimlessly because it's all mystery and to just enjoy the ride purely as it happens. Um, speaking of not yeah. doing that, speaking of doing the exact opposite of that, <laughs> I have a couple uh, questions and comments here that I did want to share. So one here in the Super Chat, thanks for your support here, is from Rodrigo. It says Moira and Omega are entangled in an infinity loop they create the other future that creates those futures. Probably the 11th life will be a mutant machine alliance. That was teased in Inferno number one. A lot of big thoughts there from Rodrigo. That ties in a little bit to a theory I got here from Daniel L. Thank you, Daniel, for the theory. He writes, I still feel like these things already happen in Moira's ninth life, and they shouldn't be repeating. But I suppose to break the cycle, we first have to see how it happens. If I'm right about my assumptions, Moira is now going back to England seeking leadership in the Coven Akaba to contact Apocalypse. <laughs> That's a dope theory that right. everything we've read so far is actually Life 9. There was a Krakoa. This is exactly how it played out. Moira got turned into a human, and then she sought out an alliance with Apocalypse um, for the future. I, that's pretty fun. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't because... That would be a little repetitive with um with the way House and Powers played out, you know, like mm -hmm. that trick was kind of used. But that said, Hickman's been or Hickman has used here the same trick of like, you know, of giving us a scene and then the next issue giving us three three additional pages from that same scene. He's used that trick like a hundred times, <laughs> you know. So repetition might not be as big of an issue as I'm suggesting, but I really like that theory. So I, I definitely had to share that one. Um, all right, I want to throw you guys. Uh, a few final questions. If you have additional questions or you want to get in super chats, uh, now is the time. Again, thanks so much, everybody, for joining live and for sharing all these thoughts. I'm trying to get to as many as we can, but obviously there's a lot to talk about um, with with what's going on in these comics. Uh, you know, I didn't even read X-Men number six today. A few questions have come in around that. I haven't touched it. Um, it, because it just felt goofy to even think about <laughs> with Inferno going It's on. good. I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of Did it. You? I enjoyed it was one of the better Duggan issues, I think. Good. I, good. I've been liking his run. It, it was fun. It it ended the way I expected it to end, but not. But the events unfolded in a way that it still surprised me. Mm. Yeah. Like it's it's uh because they're you know what it does it does the same thing this does it ends on a note that, that lets you go. 
There's still more coming, and it's not going to be pretty, but it will be entertaining. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's basically what X Men number six did for for all of its weirdness uh, right. in in what it was introducing. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Here's the I guess here's the question because it it kind of ties into that, right? We've got X Men and we've got these different creative teams, right, taking over books and. And we got new titles coming and, you know, there's going to be new stuff announced, I'm sure. And new creators, you know, like we got a Victor Laval Sabretooth coming soon. I'm super excited mm-hmm. about that. Um, Inferno's done. The Hickman is done. Maybe he'll return one day. Maybe he won't. I, every day I have a different thought on it. Um, are you excited about X-Men comics and into the Destiny of X? Are you excited about X-Men comics? Does Inferno make you more excited about X-Men comics or is it like unchanged? Verno, you started talking about it earlier. Um, you're, you're, I don't, don't want to piss so your much, listeners right? off. I, I know no, it's fine. You, you, your base that you got here. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in a bit of a different boat than you guys because I started everything that I'm doing right now because of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men. You guys mm-hmm. were already well-established. You guys have been doing this for years before. I'm here because of this. So I... I'm a little bit more butthurt about the era that I think you guys are, because this is like, you know, this, it meant so much to all of us, but you know, it just, it had a special place in my heart as I know it does with so many of us. So I, I've just fallen off of so many things, even like Benjamin Percy, his books, I really was loving them early. And it kind of like, we're talking about the many deaths and lives or whatever it is of a, of Wolverine. And I'm just like, Ooh, I, I, it's been a long time since I've really enjoyed a Benjamin Percy book, and that was probably my favorite writer on the staff at the time. Yeah, I'm I'm much less excited about it. I have issues with almost the entire line at this point. I've dropped, so I'm, I'm maybe not the right guy to ask about it. My enthusiasm has plummeted. Like I'm just I'm over it. I didn't like almost anything that happened in 2021 that wasn't. X-Men number 19 (laughs) written by Jonathan Hickman. So like, I'm pretty much out the game, baby. I've said it before. Like Marvel is just, you guys read digitally. Like if you guys were picking up these books and seeing the paper quality, that's a huge factor too. Like Marvel's just spitting in our faces left and right when it comes (laughs) to that. It's like toilet paper, one ply that these books are made on now. And it's, you know (laughs) what I mean? It's disrespectful. They just did this whole thing with their redeem, uh, I'm glad I'm mentioning this on your show where a lot of people are going to see it because I'm wondering how many people are also upset about this. The way Marvel's redeemed, which, first of all, they're the only company that gives us. You're talking about the digital code. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get a digital redeem code in the books and it used to be you peel off your little thing, you type in your redeem and you get your book within seconds. Yeah. They just revamped that system and it's a, it's a nightmare. You now have to, you have to go through it. You have to find the book that you're looking for. You take a picture of it. You write it in your email. You write in all this stuff, and they'll get back to you. And they what? get back to you in like, yeah, they get back to you in a couple days. And it's all run through Marvel Redeem slash Help, and it's sent to like Marvel Support. So no. now it's like, oh, we're we're, we're experiencing <laughs> a high a high volume of uh like complaints right now, and we're gonna get to you as soon as we. It's like, what what do they do with their process? Oh my and goodness. For, for me, like. Like I'm gonna have to buy, I'm gonna have to buy that book three times now because I just ruined it. So I need to buy another copy. Yeah. And I need to, if I want to make a video of it, which I plan on doing, I'm gonna have to buy it digitally, or I'm gonna have to pirate it, which I don't want to do. Uh-huh. And because I can't just put the code in and get it instantly, and then use the pictures to make the video, 
which like I would like to do. Yeah. I know you can buy it digitally, and that's how you make your videos. So that to me, like, I, it's not just the X office. Like I'm upset with Marvel as an entity, and I'm like, so that's you know that's my bias on it. But uh, I'm I'm not overly thrilled with the direction of the X books at all. <laughs> to be honest. Hey, hey, speak your truth. I have not picked up comics since they've made that change, which uh, mea culpa. My, my local comic shop. I'm coming in soon, I promise. Um, but that sounds awful. Also, right. Marvel support is notoriously overburdened with Marvel Unlimited requests. What are they thinking? Uh, right. To add that to a workload, that uh, does not sound pleasant or enjoyable for anyone involved with support staff. Ernie, let's start with you. Do you have a different take on uh, on how you feel, your excitement levels for X-Men comics coming into, uh, into Destiny of X? You know, honestly, I'm still excited. Um, I mean, is it like on the level that I was excited uh, when House of X came out, or when, you know, when House of X was over? Um, no, not exactly. But like, I'm still excited to see where things go. I'm curious to see how the rest of the stuff plays out, and um, it's and and I've also kind of adopted a, a mantra myself, and it's uh, something that I apply to all comics. But I, uh, I'm applying it here uh, uh, even more specifically. But yeah, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of new stuff coming out. Legion of X, um, you know, Immor Immortal X-Men, as we just talked about, 10 Lives, 10 Deaths of Wolverine, uh, more X-Force, uh, X-Men Red, more regular X-Men, and, and tons of other stuff. But at the same time, I'm not going to read all of it, at least... You know, there's going to be certain things I'm going to skip. Like, I'll be the first one to say, what is that, uh, Knights of Ten, Knights of X, whatever it's going to be called? I'm not going to be reading that. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hard pass. Uh, <laughs> same way that I gave uh, Excalibur and X-Corp a hard pass. Uh, <laughs> am I going to be reading Sabretooth? Most certainly I'm going to be right. reading Sabretooth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, am I going to be reading X-Force? Of course I'm going to continue reading X-Force. Am I going to continue reading Jerry Duggan's X-Men? Of course I'm going to continue reading Jerry Duggan's X-Men. But am I going to be reading every single book that comes out? No, I'm probably going to read it here and there. And if I see something on a cover or someone I see somebody talking about it on uh, Twitter or I see uh, you know, either one of you talking about it on Twitter or y'all say something in one of your videos, I'll be like, okay, maybe I'll go back and read that other one because you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't with it at first. But yeah. I, I'm... I, I have this approach to comics that is that is very uh, it's very cold calculus uh, <laughs> of how I deal with things. I give everything a chance. I and it's uh, with comics I'm a little bit you know different. I usually give stuff about two or three issues to see if it wins me. And sometimes depending on it, whether it's a an ongoing or like a limited series, I might give it five issues. But after that, if it don't got me, it don't got me. And I don't feel bad about it. I, yeah. I, I move on with my day, and anything I want to know, I find out about it from somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with everything going forward. Um, I'm going to buy, I'm still going to be buying the same comics that I have been buying. I'm still going to be reading the same comics I've been reading. Um, and I'm going to be trade waiting the things I've been trade waiting. So, nothing really changes uh, uh, for me. And I still live by the same thing that Jonathan Hickman said you don't have to read all of it, even though technically you kind of do. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I am going to allow myself to not know things. Yeah, right. yeah, it's liberating. That's, that's how no, it is. it's liberating it's well for said. sure. No, I, that's a great answer. I mean, I think yeah, I'm I'm in a somewhat similar boat. I mean, I think one of the biggest wins of the Krakoa of X Men, the post House and Powers, was instilling the feeling 
on all sorts of new and lapsed and longtime X-Men readers that not only do you not you don't have to read everything, but you're going to want to making it feel like you're probably going to want to read all of this because it all is actually connected and integrated and like the writers are actually talking to each other and they're all working with the same editor. That is simply a rare thing across this scale and scope of books um, in the history of Marvel Comics, right? They are generally not that tightly integrated, right? Look back across eras of X-Men comics, you find little fiefdoms of creators doing their own thing, <laughs> you know? And I love that idea. I'm, I'm such a sucker for big picture, shared universe continuity where it all connects and it plays off of each other and references in one issue, refer, you know, connect to another. And just House and Powers was so good that there was so much potential in this era where I was like, every book absolutely has a chance. Every book has a chance mm -hmm. to be something special. So I've kept mm -hmm. up with it, you know, to this point of continuing to give every book that opportunity. Um, even when books have completely let me down. I mean, X-Corp is this X-Corp and Fallen Angels are the saddest examples. Um, but it's like, I, I read those to the end. I read them, I, you know, I stuck with them to the end because I, I needed to know. I wanted to know, is anything going to happen here that's going to be relevant for my, my continuity-addled brain? Um, I think going into the post-Inferno, post-Hickman experience, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that same level of liberation of saying, no, I'm just going to read the books I like. Um, right. You know, here's, here's my secret. Omega Sentinel's secret was machines are the real enemy and we hate humans and mutants equally. That was Omega Sentinel's secret. My secret is... I don't read that many X-Men comics on a week-to-week -week basis before House and Powers. I didn't want to. I would catch up on the stuff that was getting hyped. I would read, oh, X-Men Red looks good. Okay, I'm going to binge a bunch of that on Marvel Unlimited. Um, you know, and like, oh, Generation X by Christina Strain. I hear some people I like talking about that. Yeah, I'll check that out. Okay, I'll binge that thing, right? I wasn't reading it on a week-to-week -week basis all the X-Men comics like I have been since House and Powers. I think for my own enjoyment of the era. You know, and, and I think this is probably going to be true for a vast majority of people. Um, I think that completionist attitude is increasingly not worth it uh, with with this. That said, I hope like like the the floor of quality for the X era generally is like the best it's been. Right. Like books aren't awful generally. Right. Yeah, like there's right. a couple I could point to that I really dislike. Um, and I already <laughs> mentioned them. But the floor is like a pretty decent Marvel comic. You know, and like pretty decent X-Men comic. Um, but, you know, the question you have to ask is like, okay, but there's so many good comics in the world and there's so much good pop culture and so many other things we have to do in this life. You know, it's like how much time do I actually want to be spending with them? So for me, it's going to be, I want to read the heck out of Immortal X-Men. I want to read the heck out of anything Victor Laval is touching. I want to read the heck out of um, X-Men Red, assuming that is the Al Ewing, you know, storm on Mars cosmic book, right? Um, yeah. That stuff I'm definitely going to be reading. That stuff I'm going to be digging into. Uh, but you know, yeah, like you said, like Knights of X, honestly, even like uh, Legion of X, like I'm, I'm going to read mm -hmm. the first issue or whatever. I like Cy Spurrier as a writer a yeah. lot, but I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I don't know. Way of X didn't like totally hit for me. Right. Legion of X is on the, like, like they, it has my attention, but I'm like, I'm yeah, I'm gonna give it the first issue, maybe a second issue just in case first issue just didn't quite get me there. And then if it doesn't have me, I'm just gonna go and move on with my day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna hold out my heart, my 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 poor old comic book reader's heart for Radiant Black or uh, yeah, you know, or, or 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 something else. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, oh, hey, wait a minute. 
they, they got they got a new issue of Once in Future out. I'll read that instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or you know, or House of Slaughter is out. I'll read that instead. You know, the nice house on the lake is really good. Oh, God, <laughs> oh the yeah. Department of Truth. I'll pick that up. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, I, I I can totally read other books. Uh, I don't. It doesn't have to be exactly that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it just I yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's like I just I just I want I want more books to really excel that I can get excited about again. Um, and and I think House and Powers have said it a million times. It set a unrealistic expectation <laughs> that every that every ongoing superhero comic inverno i think like you know you're talking about like yeah i got into this because of this it's like it's no surprise like house of x and powers of 10 is one of the best superhero comics of all time <laughs> like it right. is, it yeah, is right. so good uh, by comparison to everything in the history of the marvel universe it's one and, of the coolest sci-fi stories of all time yeah, you know like sure. the, in, in comic books in general but yeah hell yeah sure sure like it's it's just it is unique it is a unique beast mm. um you cannot possibly tap into that magic on a, a you know ongoing comic run with any consistency. Right. With any consistency, right. there are moments, right? You have these moments, and that's why we read these things, to find them, to see when they're going to happen again. Um, so, all right, before we, I let you guys go, I want to make sure I got to um, the big questions that came in. All right, here we go. Mario asks, as someone who is over the Black Panther and Storm relationship, do you think X-Men Red will be the catalyst to the Child of Storm and Cable Major X? <laughs> now, this came up recently because in uh, this interview I referenced, this Explain the X-Men interview, Hickman said one of the biggest ideas he had that got shot down, he like actually got told no, which doesn't happen hardly ever apparently, um, was Storm in Giant Size X-Men, um, Jean Grey and Emma Frost. The, when they found Storm, what the story was originally going to be was that she was pregnant with um, T'Challa's son. Um, or with, you know, her and T'Challa's son. So it was going to be, who who is a character, like there is a future with that character, I forget the name um, of, yeah. of their of their child, but um, that got shot down. Okay, so that, that storyline didn't happen. The, the, initially I was like, mm, not, not really that into that. Um, but then he was like, and that child was going to be raised in the world and then team up with the Avengers next in the future. And then I was like, that sounds amazing. Like I kind of, now, <laughs> now I feel like that should happen. But all right, yeah. to the question. Are we going to see a Storm Cable romance leading to Major X? My vote is a hearty no. <laughs> what are the other, what are um, the other votes? I, I'm going to give it a vehement no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say, you know, what, what, is the kid, what does the kids say on, on, on the Twitters? Uh, F-O-H. With that shit <laughs> is what I'm saying. All Get right. it out of here. Shot down. Know. Yep. I, I'm with you. No, that doesn't do anything for me. That's interesting that that would even be an idea. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that, that's odd. That's very odd to me. I'm not with it. That would be, it would be funny, like that it was happening, but then it would be like disappointing that it, that it was real. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I don't I, think. On the Storm I side of things, I want to see Storm written in a way that she has flaws again. I want a human mutant, but I want a more like human storm rather than this goddess that we get. If she's going to be leading the X-Men Red book, I want to feel like she's a relatable person again, like she used to be, rather than the way like, oh, we, got, we better make, just make her perfect and never have any flaws for Storm. Like, so she's no longer that interesting to me. Well, Al Ewing already set that up with yeah. uh, Sword. Uh, the, the, the encounter with Tarn the Uncaring, and there's some, uh, some hint that there was something that happened when she became the regent 
uh, a Baraka that was never addressed because I think it's going to be addressed in X-Men Red. Okay, okay. Um, there's the worry that Storm has that Tarn did something to her. And there's the, I guess, Mirrorverse version of herself that she keeps seeing. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, I'm, I'm here for very, it regardless. I haven't read like the last maybe couple issues of Swords. That's a really recent thing, then. Okay, it's cool. That, that's intriguing. It's gotten very okay. storm focused over the last um, several. I mean, I think I think Storm's position as Regent of Mars is a perfect opportunity to explore both sides of the character, where she has to be this goddess who rules over the Iraqi mm-hmm. people, who who if they see a flaw, they will kill you for it. Like they are fighting right. her constantly. That's, but then at the same yeah. time, we need that off the off camera storm where mm. it's like she is human and she is flawed and yeah. she is tired from doing all this right stuff, right you know? yeah and i think we're slowly getting because the finale of sword kind of also you know, like i said like the last you know two or three issues of sword have kind of hinted at the fact there is something lying underneath i know a lot of people got mad at me because i pointed out the nosebleed but it's, <laughs> i didn't write it okay <laughs> i didn't write it yeah i just talked about it because it was in front of me I can't apologize for something I didn't do. Okay, leave me alone. We are, uh, we are, but you know, we are but the arbiters of what we see. On the you're right. We I just read. It. It. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go get mad. Go get mad at Al Ewing. He yeah. did it. Yeah. Go Actually, tweet no, it out. Please, please don't, don't go get mad at Al Ewing. Yeah. He, leave him. A, leave him alone. He, he's he got is a, hard a fine job. individual. Leave him alone, please. He is awesome. <laughs> I, I love me some Al Ewing. He is. He's doing a great job, and I'm very excited about what he's going to do with Storm next. Uh, so definitely, definitely excited about that. Um, Jason had a question here, which was, all right, so. Omega Sentinel and, and Nimrod show up, and they're they're gonna fight uh, Professor X and um, and Magneto. Uh, they say like, "Hey, we have power dampeners. Um, <laughs> why don't they use them? <laughs> why do they wait until the end? Like, what was that?" I did think that was weird because when they said it, immediately after that, Magneto just unleashes like yeah a crap ton of power, and I'm just like, "Wait, wait, wait so our Mag- so so then my mind started going like." Wait, are Magneto and Charles just that much of a badass? That's what I right. thought. That yeah. power dampeners don't do anything to him. I was like, oh man, Hickman is—he is shooting some shots here. This is gonna yeah, be. Yeah. And then I realized later, it's like, oh, they had him. They just didn't use him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was Along into those that. lines. There was that bit where they're going back and like, okay, three hours ago, Mystique did this. Two hours ago, she did this. And it was like at the forty-five minute mark. She uses some little ball that released some green gas. She tosses it at the Orcus agents, yeah. and they start attacking each other. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys, like, have we seen that weapon before? Because it's nothing that I remember from this hickman Krakoa era. Do you guys know anything about, like, what that is in Marvel I Comics? Don't have you seen that? Okay. I mean, she got a whole recall. arsenal of weapons from Forge. So at this point, I'm just yeah. like, anything we see is just, like, a Forge concoction. Um, but okay. I, yeah. I don't know... That, that we've seen that specifically, honestly. Um, okay, cool. So I think we, we tackled all the major questions here from listeners. Uh, Jonathan wrote in to say, looking forward to seeing how Destiny will influence the new X-Men team in the works. Totally agree. I really, I really want some great Destiny content specifically. It's a character who's just been so underutilized. And um, and now that she's entered the, the Zatanna Black Canary uh, era of, of <laughs> fishnets and, and thigh highs, I'm like, yes, bring on more Destiny. Um, and, uh, and he says here, also Logan will be a key. Just curious as to how he will change the past to influence futures. I, time travel is so messy and this era has been so smart about 
avoiding it until they didn't, right? With Omega with Omega Sentinels, you know, Life 10A and 10B, which is like very specific. It's like, here's the graph, here's the timeline. Wolverine could make this so stinking messy. So I'm I'm hopeful they don't go crazy with it. You just made me think about something, Dave. Uh, I remember when Hickman, before House of X even came out, I remember everyone kept saying, oh, it's going to be a time travel story. And Hickman was like, nope, no time travel anywhere in this. Now, granted, he was only talking about House of X. Yeah. But I think what he should have done is he should have amended his answer to, there's no time travel in the X-Men stuff I'm doing. Yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let me let me jump off that and say, so what he's doing there is like not giving anything away, right? Like he's mm. he's intentionally pre cagey about stuff. Um, I think he's I'm, there's still a big part of me that thinks he's running, uh, like a you know a, a secret campaign where like he fully intends to come back for yeah. this Act Two thing that the rest of the X office doesn't want to do yet. Like and they split amicably because they're like we don't want to do that yet. He's like cool. He's probably like I'll come back when you do. But I think he's very, very purposely being like, I'm done, I'm not doing it, in order to create surprise and drama mm. when that moment comes. Like, of course he wouldn't, he yeah. can't talk about what it's going to be, because it will do the thing that he has indicated now a number of times that he hates the most, mm. which is taking away the joy of, like, being surprised right. by a story. So, right. I, I don't know, it could just be yeah. wishful thinking, but I really th feel like it's in play. Well, no, I, I agree with that because, you know, granted, completely different writer, but I remember uh, before Donnie Cates took over Thor, um, I remember asking him, like, uh, I was like, hey, you know, like, what like what book would you be interested in, you know, taking over mm -hmm. that you're not currently writing? And I was like, I could really see you writing Thor. And he kind of gave me a look. And now that I've seen that look twice now when I've called him out on something that I'm right about, I now know what to look for. So yeah, yeah. He's now that tell. I go back and I – yeah, he has a tell. He has a tell. And I look at him and I go, huh, okay, he knew. He knew then when I asked him he was going to do it. He just couldn't say anything because they have NDAs. They, yeah, they yeah. have agreements and contracts, and things have to be released and announced in uh, uh, an orderly, improperly fashion. He can't be like – like Jonathan Hickman can't just come out and willy nilly be like, yeah, uh, yeah, guys, I I'm I'm taking a breather from all this X Men BS. I I, I got stuff to do. Uh, I I'll be back uh, in 2024. I'll be back, yeah. and uh, we're gonna wrap all this stuff up. We're gonna put it to bed. I got this huge story we're coming out with. No, he's going to say that. Yeah, I'm wa I'm walking away from this. I'm I might come back one day in the future, but as it stands right now. I'm done. I'm giving this to the people in the X office. They're going to handle it from here and everything's going to be fine. And while we could sit here and shake our fist at the sky, like, you know, some old man angry at the world, we can sit here and be like, damn you, Hickman, when are you coming back? I mean, yeah. and meanwhile, Hickman's at his house, you know, looking at Twitter or maybe not, because he's probably got better things to do with his time. I feel like he's smart he's enough not to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, he's probably, you know, he, you know he's doing, he's probably catching up on, on Hawkeye is what he's doing. Uh, and, and, and he's going to sit there and go, yeah, I know when I'm going to be back. <laughs> he's like, I know I'm going to be back in 2024. I, I hope so. I mean, I really hope so. It, that would be, it would be great. And he left, he left plenty of room for him to come oh. back in the future for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm like I said, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I would only be worried if we started getting signs down the road that it was a definite he was never coming back. Like that, like, and or, or 
none of this was ever going to be addressed. They were just going to be like, no, nope, all that stuff's put to bed. Yeah, Dude, I just can't help I... but think, like, the same way that Moira's 11th life is the reset bomb in the comics, when yeah. Marvel starts seeing sales dipping, and they see enthusiasm for these X-Comics dipping, you know the first call they're going to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the absolute first uh, call they make. Jonathan, can you get back here? Oh, what do you got, man? What do you, you look? I know we we got into a fight about this, but uh, look, <laughs> look, man, whatever you want to do, man, sky's the limit. Just, yeah. just, just come on, please, please, can you come back, please? You want you want Storm to have cables, baby? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> what do you want to name? <laughs> I tell you what, if you that was the point of contention. Was like he's like Storm is having everyone's baby, and they're like Jonathan, that's wrong on many levels. <laughs> he's like she's gonna have babies with Cable. She's gonna have babies with Nightcrawler. Those babies are gonna be the cutest, and uh, she's gonna have babies with Exodus. Those babies will also be right. really cute. Uh, and then, you know, she's going to have, you know, even though it's the, not even the ex genetically of possible. Storm's future or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not even gen- genetically possible, but she'll have a baby you know, with, you know, maybe Destiny or somebody. I don't know. She's got babies with everybody. Everybody adopts with Mystique and Destiny. They got, they have that whole bizarre um, um, orphanage of abandoned children on Krakoa, which we do not talk about enough how yeah, weird that, that is. That's pretty much when I dipped out of X Men. If I'm being a hunter, like that's that when was I was the like, weirdest I don't thing. Know if these books are for me anymore. I think I'm about done. Yeah, yeah. It was presented as this, like, oh, it's a utopia. Like, yeah, we abandoned our babies. <laughs> Wait, what? Here, oh. take that baby. I'm yeah. done with it. Super weird, super weird stuff. All right, this is great. Uh, yeah, Inferno number four. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, it's it's a complex thing right now, right? It's a bittersweet thing. Um, but we we you know it's kind of it's kind of that thing of like it's a midway point. It's a pause. It answers some questions relatively effectively, <laughs> and now it's up to uh, to everybody else to make this era super cool. So thanks everybody for joining on the chat. I quite appreciate it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I try to do these, uh, as often as the X-Men books, uh, keep me interested, but, um, you know, casual Krakoa's live streams should be happening more or less weekly around this time on Wednesdays. Uh, Verna, where should people find you? Uh, I'm on the YouTubes now, been on, been on over here for about four or five months and loving it. Uh, just look up the Cerebros here on YouTube and then, uh, the podcast anywhere where you can find podcast the cerebros we do weekly non-spoiler comic book reviews on a variety of books from a variety of publishers and then weekly conversations on the best books of the week and i have awesome guests on like you two and a bunch of other cool people that you may or may not know from uh from across the interwebs yeah it's a great show ernie where should people find you oh you can find me on youtube primarily blur without fear um i kind of just do a little bit of everything <laughs> uh, i do videos about the x-men primarily but i also do uh stuff about uh, daredevil and four and uh you know hulk and uh you know, various and sundry uh other aspects but doing a lot of black panther videos uh do a little bit of everything and i like to do videos about characters that uh you may or may not know about yeah get you educated on them and uh, i also live stream every saturday uh 1 p.m eastern uh 10 a.m pacific every saturday so yeah you go check that out and yeah uh i hope you have fun doing that good stuff good i stuff. always do myself always <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody so i'm dave uh, all my stuff's at comic book herald you can go to comic book herald for more including the reign of uh of x reading order the inferno reading order all things x-men related uh, and we'll have some really good essays coming on uh, on exploring the Hickman era in full, as well as 
the X best com- Wolverine comics of all time. That's coming soon. Um, I'm not counting them. I'm just going to call it the mm. X best because we are in the X it. lives and X deaths <laughs> era. That'll be on CBH coming soon. So I'm excited about that. But seriously, thanks everybody who joined live. Uh, it's super, super awesome seeing you here. I'm now seeing House of Babies, Reign of Babies, Destiny of Babies <laughs> as teased eras to come. Uh, we need more exploration. We need we need some answers and Hashtag we need them stacked. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Yes, uh, this chat is getting cursed, so we're going to call it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, you know, as always, enjoy the comics. Hey.